Good morning, everyone. Today in our weekly study, we will examine the first two verses of 2 Corinthians 6. The theme is Paul's encouragement to the Corinthians to remain steadfast in the faith. In 2 Corinthians 6, verse 1, he pleads with them to not receive the grace of God in vain. He reaches back to Isaiah's messianic prophecies to encourage this first century church. And it is from here in Isaiah 49, 8, that I have chosen the primary idea. Christ Jesus was given to us as a covenant to restore the earth and to cause us to inherit the desolate heritages. This is an extremely potent verse of encouragement, and we will delve into it in, later in the study. The golden verse, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Is found in verse 2 and also in Isaiah 49, 8. Paul's purpose was to encourage the Corinthians who lived in a very progressive society by first century standards, but was also very wicked as measured by biblical standards. It is my hope that you too will be encouraged today to not receive the grace of God in vain. Let's turn now to 2 Corinthians 5.20 as we begin reading from God's holy word. Verse 20, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I underlined verse 21, and I highlighted the righteousness of God. Compare this verse with Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. And I underlined, their righteousness is from me. That is key to our study today. It's very important to understand that when we are saved, it is because God's righteousness is transferred upon us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Continuing now with 2 Corinthians 6, 1 and 2. We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. He is talking about the grace of God, which is salvation. It is the most central and crucial issue of our earthly life. It is entirely appropriate and reasonable that he uses the word plead. Don't lose heart. Don't become discouraged. Don't turn back from following Christ. Verse 2. For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Paul is quoting from Isaiah 49.8. Why would he go back to Isaiah to encourage the Christians of Corinth? There is a very good reason. Prophecy proves and validates God and subsequently his message to mankind. This prophecy concerns the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Christ, which was to come. Let's see what it says. This prophecy found in Isaiah 49, 1-13 is presented as a conversation between God the Father and the Messiah, the Christ, his Anointed One. 
Listen now as we join members of All People's Church as they read Isaiah 49, 1 through 13. Listen, O coastlands, to me, and take heed, you peoples from afar. The Lord has called me from the, from the womb, from the matrix of my mother. He has made mention of my name. And he has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his name, he has hidden me and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver, he has hidden me. And he said to me, you are my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Then I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and in vain. Yet surely my just reward is with the Lord and my work with my God. And now the Lord says, who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him? so that Israel is gathered to him. For I shall be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. Indeed, he says, it is too small a thing that you should be my servants, to rise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, their Holy One, to him who man despises, to him who the nation abhors, to the servants of rulers, kings shall rise and shall see and arise, princes also shall worship, because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, and he has chosen you. Thus says the Lord, in an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation, I have helped you. I will preserve you and give you as a covenant to the people to restore the earth, to cause them to inherit the desolate heritages, that you may say to the prisoners, go forth to those who are in darkness, show yourselves. They shall feed along the roads and their pastures shall be on all desolate heights. They shall neither hunger nor thirst, neither heat nor sun shall strike them for he who has mercy on them will lead them even by the springs of water he will guide them i will make each of my mountains a road and my highway shall be elevated surely these shall come from afar luck those from the north and the west and these from the land of Sinem. sing O heavens be joyful O earth and break out in singing, O mountains, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have mercy on his afflicted. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's go back up to verse 1 of Isaiah 49, and today I'll be reading lots of scriptures along the way from the New Testament, and if you want to make a note of those, I won't ask for everyone to read just for the sake of time today. And I've got them listed in my notes, so it'll be easy for me to, to do that. Let's go back to verse 1. Denise, are you there at Isaiah 49? Yes. Would you read verse 1? Listen, O coastlands, to me, and take heed, you peoples from afar. The Lord has called me from the womb, from the matrix of my mother. He has made mention of my name. This is a, a really neat verse to start with because before he was conceived his name was known 
That's what Jesus is saying in this. In this case, I'm saying Jesus because at that time when this was written, all they knew about was that this was the Messiah speaking. But we know that it turned out to be a person named Jesus. The thing that you'll notice about all of Isaiah, just to give you a little background, Isaiah wrote his prophecies in poetry. And so sometimes it's a little difficult to read because it's in English. And they had to find English words. And and I think probably his poetry was really neat. And the fact that he could prophesy and do it in poetry, (laughs) I guess he set a new new level in that regard. But for us, it's not going to rhyme. And probably it's not going to seem like other types of poetry with the meter that would indicate poetry. But having said that, we can work through it and it's, it's in English, of course, but it is so, it's still pretty, unbelievably pretty, in fact. The other thing that I would say about this is there could be a question about, well, who's talking? Who's talking now and who's, who's talking later in the scriptures? And I think that if you have any question about it, that's okay. But when you go back through it later, when you restudy what we went over, you can put in different people, like you might think, well, he's actually talking to Isaiah, or Isaiah's actually talking. But when I think when you take the totality of verses 1 through 13, you realize, no, Isaiah is recording this conversation as part of this prophecy, and the conversation is between the Messiah and God the Father. And he says at the very end of verse 1, he says, from the matrix of my mother, my mother, he has made mention of my name. So before he was conceived, his name was known. His name was to be Yeshua, that is Joshua, which means to save. And another rendering of Joshua is to deliver. But the, the most commonly used is to save. The fulfillment is found in Luke one thirty one, And that's what I was saying. If you want to jot this down and look there now or look at it later, but I'll read it to you now. Luke one thirty one says, And behold, and this is the angel speaking to Mary, says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus, which in Hebrew was Yeshua. Verse 2. And he has made my mouth like a sharp sword in the shadow of his hand. He has hidden me and made me a polished shaft in his quiver he has hidden me of course you also may realize if you've read revelation that in revelation it talks about jesus's his tongue is like a sharp sword so there's again there's this common theme that is found in both of these prophetic books i think this speaks of jesus's time of preparation before his public ministry his intellect and tongue are like a sharp sword He is like the finest arrow. He is in the quiver ready to be used. A fulfillment of this prophecy is found in Luke 2, 46 through 47. And I'll read it to you now. Verse 46. Now, so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, talking about Jesus, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And so I think it is entirely appropriate that in this scripture he says, verse 2, he has made my mouth like a sharp sword 
In the shadow of his hand, he has hidden me and made me a polished shaft. <laughs> he, is, he is like the best arrow in the whole quiver. It's the one that, is, that, the, that the archer has put his hand on many times. So many times that the shaft is polished. In his quiver, he has hidden me. Verse 3. And he said to me, You are my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. In verse 4. Then I said, I have labored in vain, and I have spent my strength for nothing and in vain. Yet surely my just reward is with the Lord, and my work is with my God. You know, guys, this is, again, I think these first few verses are talking about the Messiah's preparation. And I ask this question. Wouldn't this be how we would feel if we had labored 30 years in obscurity? Right? He says in verse 4, he says, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and in vain. Yet surely my just reward is with the Lord. So all of this study, all of this work, this sinless and strict life, and I'm still waiting for the word of God to come to begin. In true obedience, he says, nevertheless, no matter how long it takes, my reward is with the Lord and my work with my God. He sets a good example for us in that regard, by the way. So many times, those of us that are called into a ministry, we lack or, that, or we are discouraged by the amount of preparation time. And in this case, we're getting a look into the psychology or the mental conversation that Jesus was having during his preparation time. That's one of the most beautiful things about Isaiah's prophecy. He tells us things that, that are not told to us in the New Testament. He says, in true obedience, he says, nevertheless, no matter how long it takes, my reward is with the Lord and my work with my God. In this, the Messiah confirms he will wait on God. Verse 5. And now the Lord says, who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him so that Israel is gathered to him. For I shall be glorious in the eyes of the Lord and my God shall be my strength. I keyed in on the fact that he said, who formed me from the womb to be his servant. To me, I think Jesus is saying, I know I was born to this. From my mother's womb, I have only had one goal, one purpose, and that is to preach and teach Israel the word of God, to bring Israel back to God. In parentheses, he says, when Israel is gathered to him, I will be glorious in the eyes of the Lord. And I thought, what a proclamation. Isn't that great? I love that wonderful, positive spirit. Verse 6. Indeed, he says, it is, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. This is sort of the clincher that lets you know who is talking in both regards. We know from this that it is definitely about the Messiah, right? Because it talks about being a light to the Gentiles. And then we know that the other person talking is God. And in this case, God is saying, it says, Indeed, indeed he says, talking about God, It is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob. Wow! He's saying, look, after all of this that the Lord has recounted through this prophecy, that Jesus says, 
I was named before I was born. I was in a time of preparation. It was almost discouraging to me because I was in this time of preparation for so long. But now the Lord is talking to him and he says, Indeed, it is too small a thing that you should just be for the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. And I highlighted that and I underlined it and I changed it to a different color because I think and to restore the preserved ones of Israel is a, a key little phrase of that sentence and we'll talk about that some more. He says, I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. God says indeed, Israel, the tribes of Jacob is too small for you. Restoring the preserved ones, that is the remnant, the ones I have set aside for myself, is too small for you. To you, the Christ, the anointed one to come, I will also give the Gentiles. You are going to be my salvation to the whole earth. This is fulfilled in Acts chapter 10. Of particular note to us are verses 44 through 48. And I would like to read them to you because this is all about the Gentiles. This is at the very beginning of the ministry to the Gentiles, the saving, the becoming a light to the Gentiles that was prophesied. Verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. Why? While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. The point being, they heard the word, they were saved and, and spoke in tongues, signifying infilling of the Holy Spirit. And everyone that saw it, Peter being the, the speaker here says, okay, these guys, salvation has come to the Gentiles and they ought to be baptized. But my message to you today is be glorious in the eyes of the Lord. I want to turn to that. Restore, that is, encourage and strengthen the preserved ones, the remnant, those God has set aside for himself, and be a light to the Gentiles. We are to be Christ-like and to continue in Christ's ministry. In a time of falling away, God still has his servants, the preserved ones. That's what I call them, the preserved ones. And there are those also who still seek God, even in a time of falling away. Let's turn to 1 Kings, the 19th chapter and the 18th verse. And it says, Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. This was concerning Elijah. He had said in 1 Kings 19, 14, And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. He says, I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Sometimes we may feel quite alone and out of step as we see our society calling evil good and good evil, as we hear a constant chorus of God is dead. We regularly hear, you only have one life, 
Get all that you can and get it now. And there is no morality except what we say is right and wrong. Or as is taught in many institutions of higher learning, we are just an evolved form of life, no different from the animals. When friends and family turn their back on God or refuse to hear the gospel, you may think, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and in vain. This morning, however, I want to encourage you, and that's the whole point of this message today, is I want to encourage you. Today, we're looking at some really beautiful scriptures at the end of 2 Corinthians 5 and at the beginning of 2 Corinthians 6. We're also looking at Isaiah 49. All of this is meant to encourage you. I believe we are part of the preserved ones. I believe that. God preserves. Sometimes, some of us may think, you know, I could have fallen away like so-and-so or my brother or my sister, but I haven't. You know, there's no reason for us to, to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to because God will preserve a remnant for himself. And so sometimes when we've come through something that was very difficult, we've survived it, our faith has remained intact. There's so many issues of life that others have allowed to derail them. The fact that we did not, let us be careful and not to have, not to be high-minded about it, not to think that we're something when we're not. Because of the fact so many times God helps us. If we have survived to this point, and we have, we should be thankful and realize that God preserves. God preserves. God helps us. Verse 7 says, Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, their Holy One, to him whom man despises, to him whom the nation of hordes abhors, to the servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes also shall worship, because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, and he has chosen you. I highlighted that, those last few words of that verse, and he has chosen you. What a beautiful thing to have God say to you. And that's what Isaiah is recording right here. He's really recording what God the Father has said. Prophesying to the Christ, he says, yes, you are now despised. You are abhorred. Yes, you are in subjection to earthly rulers now. But future kings will see you and stand. Princes will bow and worship. The Lord, the Holy One, has chosen you. You know, I was talking about historical fulfillments earlier of these scriptures. I think an historic fulfillment that's not in the Bible is the fact that the Roman Emperor Constantine accepted Christ and became a Christian in the 4th century. I think that's a fulfillment of this scripture. And there will be many, there will be many more. And we know in the end days, in the, at the judgment time, at the end of all time, when all men and women, boys and girls stand before Christ, every knee will bow before him, including rulers and kings. Verse 8. Thus says the Lord, in an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. I will preserve you and give you as a covenant to the people to restore the earth, to cause them to inherit the desolate her heritages. That Stop you right there, please. Is that verse 8? Yes. As Paul used this prophecy to encourage the Corinthians, I want to use it to encourage us. That's the point of this message is encouragement. Paul used this 
verse 8. We still live in an acceptable time. That's one of the things I want to encourage you about. This is still the acceptable time. Christ has not returned yet. This is an acceptable time. This is still the day of salvation. Even though there's a falling away, we should not slack up in our efforts to present the gospel to anyone that's willing to listen. It is still the day of salvation. It says, And in the day of salvation I have helped you. My question is, has the Lord helped us or not? I, I believe He has. Has He heard and answered your prayers or not? I believe He has. And the Lord says to us, as He has said to our Savior, and as Paul conveyed to the Corinthians, And I say to us who live in a modern time, a time of apostasy, and a time possibly very close to the return of the Lord, I say, He will preserve you. Never give up, no matter how difficult the circumstances you may find yourself in. And there are some dark days for everyone in this life. I don't think there's any Pollyannas that get to, even Pollyanna fell out of the tree, right? I'm just saying, yeah, I think they probably all know, they've probably all seen the movie. But the, the point I'm trying to make is, in this life, there will be some difficult times. And I want you to know that if you will hang in there, God will preserve you. Don't turn your back. That's what Paul is saying in this, the first two verses of the sixth chapter. He is so encouraging to the Corinthians. He says, don't turn back. Let me read those first two verses again because it's really good to hear. Verse 1, We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. He's saying, hang in there, guys. Hang in there. Let's go back down to verse 8. What does it mean when it says concerning the Messiah, I will give you as a covenant to the people? That's a good question. It means he will be the promise, the binding solemn agreement that God will restore to the people of the earth their heritage, which has been desolate since Adam. Verse 9, Denise. That you may say to the prisoners, go forth to those who are in darkness, show yourselves. They shall feed along the roads, and their pastures shall be on all desolate heights. In, in 10 through 13, if you would. They shall neither hunger nor, th nor thirst, neither heat nor sun shall strike them. For he who has mercy on them will lead them. Even by the springs of water, he will guide them. I will make each of my mountains a road, and my highways shall be elevated. Surely these shall come from afar. Look, those from the north and from the west, and these from the land of Sinem. Sing, O heavens, be joyful, O earth, and break out in singing, O mountains. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have mercy on his afflicted. These five verses, I want to pick out some key words because I think when I do that, you will recognize them in Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2, which have to do with John the Baptist, his ministry on the earth, and the acts of the Lord in the Gospels. Some of these things that he talks about are, to those in darkness show yourselves. And then he talks about the fact that he's going to make his mountains a road and my highways shall be elevated. That's really talking about the ministry of John the Baptist. Isaiah 61, 1 and 2, first verse. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. 
He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Do you see that in those five verses of Isaiah 49? And the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Right? What does it say up there? It says, to those in darkness, show yourselves. Say to the prisoners, go forth. These are all things that are found also in this chapter of Isaiah. Verse 2, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. These are scriptures that the Lord himself read in the temple on one Sabbath, and he said, these things are fulfilled in your hearing. In Luke 1, 76 through 79, and this is prophesying of uh, John's father, John the Baptist's father, Zacharias. He says in verse 76, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, with which the, state, the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. That is the leveling of the path of the Lord. That is what John the Baptist did. His primary purpose was to give knowledge of salvation to the people of Israel by the remission of their sins. He was a, a forerunner of Christ, and that was his job. Isaiah 43 and 4 says, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, right? This is the leveling of God's highway. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. And that's talking about the ministry of John the Baptist. In conclusion today, do not receive the grace of God in vain. Do not lose heart. Paul has said that several times to the Corinthians. Do not lose heart. And I say that to all the listeners today. Now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation, both to Israel and to the Gentiles. To all of us, when it says Gentiles, that means to all of us, the whole world. Let us be glorious in the eyes of the Lord the God of our strength. Isn't that what Jesus said he would be? He said, I will be glorious in the eyes of the Lord. Now is the time to redouble our prayers and increase our work for the Lord. That's what I'm saying. Now is the time. This is, this is the day of salvation. This is a, the acceptable time. And we want to be just like Jesus. We want to grow up into the stature of Christ. That's, that's our goal, right, is to be Christ-like. And the thing that Jesus did was Jesus was glorious in the eyes of the Lord because he, in a very difficult time, very difficult situation, he presented the gospel to all of those in Judea, all of those in Israel. Now is the time to redouble our prayers and increase our work for the Lord. Let us take the message of salvation by grace with us wherever we go and make disciples of all people. Amen. Amen. This message has been brought to you by All People's Church of Arizona. We are a virtual church headquartered in Flagstaff. If you have found this audio message to be useful and you would like to join us for our Sunday service, please find the Zoom link on our website at apcofaz.org. Our service starts at 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. 
If you would like to know more about eternal life through Jesus, continue to listen for more information. The first and most important step to eternal life through Jesus is to accept Him as your Lord and Savior. It is an act of the will. The basics of salvation or reconciliation with God the Father can be summarized in three statements. First, you must understand that we are all spiritually dead, that is, separated from God, and cannot be reconciled to Him on our own. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have all sinned and have no means to atone for our sins. We have no remedy. Second, you must believe in your heart that Jesus is the one sent by God. The Bible says in John 20.31, But these are written, speaking of the signs that Jesus did during his earthly ministry, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The sacrifice of his Son was God's plan for salvation for all humanity. Our only part in this plan is whether or not we will believe it and accept it. Third, confess with your mouth. In Romans 10, 9, and 10, it is written that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Essentially, this is very simple. It means you must pronounce your faith to God in prayer. There is no right prayer. Prayer is conversation. So say to God what is really in your heart. Many sample prayers include affirmative statements concerning the three points above, such as this one. Father in heaven, I have sinned against you. I have hurt other people and I've hurt myself. I believe you sent Jesus to die for my sins. I accept your gift of salvation. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Help me to love and live as a follower of Jesus should. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Finally, go to church on Sunday to strengthen your faith. Accepting Christ Jesus as your Savior is the first step, but the journey of faith is a long one. There is much to learn and you will need friends to help. We would love for you to attend All People's Church and become part of our fellowship. As noted above, it is as easy as clicking on the Zoom link found at apcofaz.org. Contact me by Facebook Messenger or by email at apcofarizona at protonmail.com for more information or to talk about faith in Jesus Christ. My prayers are with you, and I hope to hear from you. This concludes our message for today.